Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Autism Stories. I'm your host, Doug Bletcher, the founder of Autism Personal Coach. Autistic people are the true experts of the autistic experience, and Autism Stories is where we interview autistic people to learn from their stories, experiences, and get their insights. If you'd like to be notified about each week's episode of Autism Stories, we suggest you subscribe on your favorite podcast listening platform. We would also appreciate it if you could give us a positive rating and review, as it will help others to learn about Autism Stories. With Autism Stories now being twice a week, this year it'll give me an opportunity to try some different things in 2023, and I hope you do find them enjoyable. On today's episode of Autism Stories, we're going to do one of those things, and that is bring back a previous guest on Autism Stories, Colleen Harrison, as she'll join me in giving a reading of my astrological birth chart. So you'll get to know a little bit more about me, maybe more than you ever wanted to know, as well as hear from Colleen about how astrology and astrological charts can be helpful to the autistic experience. Colleen will reference uh, my birth chart throughout the episode and to look at the uh, astro- my astrological chart that Colleen will discuss, you can view it um, in the link in the podcast description for this episode. We hope you enjoy today's conversation. Colleen, thanks so much for uh, returning to Autism Stories. Oh, I'm so happy to be back. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, absolutely. So last time you were on, after we stopped recording, we were talking about astrology and all of that. And I uh, briefly suggested you should return sometime and just, you know, give me, you know, kind of go through my chart. We were both kind of laughing about it. And you said, absolutely. So this is a lesson to anyone that if you say yes to me, I might follow up on it and invite you back <laughs> to uh, participate in that thing you said yes to. Yeah, and I, I'm thrilled. This is, you know, my favorite thing to do here is uh, dig into people's astrology in a low sensory environment. Uh, and, you know, thank you for sacrificial lambing yourself because uh, your listeners are about to learn about you in a whole nother level. <laughs> yeah, I think this is going to be a different episode of autism stories than we ever had you're gonna kind of go through my astrological chart i guess you're gonna tell me some things maybe there'll be some questions back and forth and we'll see where this goes perfect love it so where do we begin i'm gonna leave i'm gonna hand it off to you all right well i think the same i want your listeners to know that uh you know they're in good hands when they listen to your podcast that you are doing exactly what you should be doing because you are a Gemini sun. Gemini is a, an archetype, a sign that loves media, that's extremely curious, that <laughs> loves exchange, loves to educate, loves to learn. And you've got that conjuncture Mercury, which is the planet that represents our mind, our mental process, as well as communication exchange with others. So you've got not only both of these planets in Gemini, assign all about that stuff mercury also rules gemini so what this means is mercury is especially adept uh for you in your chart Mm. mercury is like a chef at home in his own restaurant kitchen right he's got his a plus staff on 
He's got his knives sharpened. He's psyched to bang out the specials for the night. And he's conjunct the sun. So this is very much a part of your purpose, your moral drive, your ego. Our ego not always being a bad thing, right? We need our ego. We need our ego in order to individuate. So yeah, and you got this all in a house, which is the area of life that this sign falls in for you. That is all about communication, media as well. So maybe we should pause there and discuss what the houses are, because I think that's where the general public doesn't necessarily subscribe to astrology fully in sort of just, you know, an accidental ignorance to all that it really encompasses. So we all have 12 signs in every single one of us. We're all a makeup of all of these 12 signs. We're all a makeup of all of the same planets. And then these signs are like the costumes the planets are wearing. The planets are like players in our lives. Now, these players need a stage to act out on, right? That stage is our houses. Does that make sense so far? So far, yes. So, like we were discussing in the beginning, you're an Aries rising. I would only know that by knowing your birth time and being able to enter that in. Your rising sign being exactly where this, the horizon line was the moment you were born. So this place where the sun comes up over the edge of the earth, that horizon line, it signifies in tropical Western astrology, you taking your first breath. And that is kind of a snapshot of your life in a nutshell, as well as who you sort of had to be in your earliest years, the persona, the mask that those of us with autism are so familiar with, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> per Carl Jung, um, it's not just those of us with autism who have this sort of mask thing. I think the difference between us who are on the spectrum and everyone else is our mask becomes a protective mechanism, you know, much more complicated, much more severe. But everybody has to do that a little bit uh, in childhood before we can really communicate, advocate for ourselves, uh, understand our own needs, to appeal to our caretakers, thus mom and dad, in order to get our most basic needs met, right? Fed when we're hungry before we can, you know, stand up and say, hey, I'm hungry. (laughs) We cry. We do whatever we need to do to, again, appeal to our earliest caretakers who are flawed human beings themselves who did not get a roadmap to parenting and are, you know, doing a lot of figuring out themselves. So for you, you are an Aries rising. You also have your south node there. So this is a huge point of transformation for you throughout this lifetime. And no wonder, right? You being on the spectrum, you needing to evolve out of that mask, you know, like those of us who fall on the spectrum do, you know, to really survive. (laughs) at a certain point and so who you had to be as a child was you know I think is it fair to say your parents did respect you they did want to see you shine and express yourself be yourself to a certain degree yeah I, I definitely think so I think they allowed me to have that freedom uh, maybe Along the way, wondered what the heck I'm doing with that freedom, but it, it seems to have worked out uh, pretty well beyond what I uh, ever expected. Yeah, I think they probably would have said I was stubborn. <laughs> so I guess that stubbornness has uh, worked for me. You know, I think autonomy has always been like 
so important to me. So, you know, I think a lot of times when if you follow your your self autonomy, that people think you're stubborn or you don't listen. Well, what's funny about you saying that is, so you've Chiron, your wounded healer in Taurus, the more stubborn sign of the zodiac, and that is directly across the way from your Uranus, which is a planet that it can signify disruption, individuality, also the development of the brain. And that's in Scorpio, which is a more emotionally stubborn sign. People don't quite realize that Scorpio, Aquarius, and Leo are also very stubborn parts of our charts. Why? Because they're fixed, which means they're the parts in the season up here in the Northern Hemisphere where we can really trust the weather. We can trust for a couple of weeks, a couple of months that, you know, during Leo season, the weather's going to be really warm and nice, maybe a little too warm, but we can trust that. Scorpio season, it's fall, right? It's Halloween. It's, it's awesome up here in the Northeast. You know, the leaves, the foliage is out. We're going to go get our pumpkin spice latte. <laughs> That sort of is the articulation, if you will, of that stubborn quality is that, listen, it's, I can trust this right now. I can depend on it. I'm going to stand my ground and continue to be this way. So I could see that sort of like emotional stubbornness quality as helping you sort of individuate, right? Like your parents were like, all right, like, I guess you're going to be the way you are. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think I would have dealt with I think my childhood would have been much more traumatic if I had parents that didn't allow me to do those things even if they were frustrated (laughs) and upset with me at times with some of the choices that I've made yeah and you can also see that so you have a Leo fifth house so remember that sort of stubborn quality but with Leo it's Leo is the sun's domicile, okay? So that sort of chef analogy I was using before with Mercury in Gemini. This Leo is where the sun has that chef in its home kitchen quality. Every single one of us in our Leo area of life, that's our opportunity to really shine for others and not in an obnoxious way, in a way that in us standing our ground and really we are and not being afraid of that, others sort of see that and feel comforted by that and it might encourage others and so you have saturn who signifies dad in that house is it fair to say you know your father was quite encouraging of you know who you are or you might have sort of basked in his glow and learned to you know shine your authentic self in the same fashion this is a question i've asked myself a million times Kali. (laughs) Really? (laughs) And I still, you know, like I'm 40, you know, I'm 44 right now. I still don't really have a great answer to this. I don't know if part of it is just me being autistic, but I definitely see how I'm similar to my mom in some ways. I see I'm similar to my dad in, in some ways, you know. I look identical to my father, like around the same age. So uh, there's definitely like physical, emotional, intellectual ways that I'm similar to them. But I've always kind of went my own path. <laughs> so it's it's very, very difficult in some ways where I I struggle to see the connections to my mom 
and I struggle to see the connections with my dad into relation with what I do. You know, you know, just even like the entrepreneurial path that I've taken, neither of them have, well, my mom is actually starting to take it funny enough in her 70s, but in past generations, I had family members that were entrepreneurs and kind of did things in some ways before their time. So hopefully I'm not doing things before my time, so it'll have uh, the effect that I would like to see it in my physical existence, but I do come from kind of that lineage. You said your mom's coming around. Where does your father fall? Is he supportive, not supportive, or, you know, skeptical, I guess is a better way of putting it? I guess that this is a tricky one. I don't know. He's probably he's probably was skeptical earlier on because it was like, well, where am I going with supporting? You know, early on, I was supporting autistic people in their home and their community. And it was just like, based on our system of capitalism, it was like, how is this going to work out? You know, <laughs> but, you know, like once I started my you know business autism personal coach and at first again similar things like how is this going to work out there's not really funding systems to have a coaching business that grows beyond just like individual coaches so how are you gonna you know like support yourself long term how are you gonna have health insurance you know just like things that like traditional employment lead to so he didn't say he was skeptical but my guess is there was probably skepticism there as he is a retired medical doctor. Well, and you're on the spectrum. One of our superpowers slash, you know, Achilles healed is we can feel what the people we love or the people we're close to are not saying. I always say energy is my number one method of communication. So absolutely. Yeah. And that is... Your moon is conjunct your Pluto in your seventh house of one-to-one -one relationships as well as where coaching would show up. So like when I'm working with a client, yeah. I'm in seventh house zone. Uh, when I'm meeting with my therapist, I'm in seventh house zone. It's also our marriage partner. It's a boss that we've had. It's any mono imano scenario. So you having the moon and Pluto there really speaks to that ability of yours to read between the lines to feel any emotional undertones to like a and you're almost like a weird computer you're like okay i'm feeling this beep, boop, beep, boop. okay this is what this means and then you know that sun mercury and gemini of yours you're able to then articulate it in a really helpful way back if that makes sense it makes a lot of sense uh, i had a question about earlier where you were talking about i'm doing exactly what I'm doing, you know, you talked about media and those types of things. So I'm wondering because I want every single one of our listeners, every autistic person to have happiness and joy in their life. That was why I kind of started Autism Personal Coach a decade ago. So if someone uh, like, so how often are you coming across people's charts and they're not kind of connected to where astrologically it says that their like happiness and joy comes should can be best incorporated in their lives. Does that make sense? Oh, totally. And in this capitalist era, um, often, often, you know, because unfortunately, what's I mean, 
I don't want to get too like woo woo sound like I'm out of my mind. Uh, but you know, like we can see in the astrology that this capitalist system is on its way out or about to transform in some way, shape or form because more people are suffering and struggling and have no quality of life underneath it than with the top 1%, whatever, you know, I don't want to start sounding like Bernie Sanders. (laughs) Although it's a nice change from Donald Trump who we were talking about in the last time I was here. So (laughs) yeah. So I I think like you and I know as entrepreneurs, uh, it's tough. It's really, really tough. And more people are feeling it than they let on, you know, because we also live in an era of credit cards and massive debt, right? People are able to make choices in the moment that in the long run, it's like, I was doing what I had to do to survive. And so we always need to forgive ourselves. It's always this weird mix with astrology of like, I might be able to see and tell a person like, you're not doing what makes you happy. And they're like, no, I know. (laughs) But I can say, but you're also exactly where you're supposed to be right now because you're learning an important lesson. Mm -hmm. Let me shed some light to help you figure out how to pivot. And, you know, I'm never going to tell anybody, quit your job now. The universe wants you doing this because it's what your soul is telling you. You know, like you need to also be able to make smart decisions. But what astrology does is it can give us a lot of light. And what most people wind up feeling is a lot of validation and confirmation that, you know, what they'd rather be doing, what they're already usually feeling inklings that they should be pivoting towards is the right direction. Does that answer the question? Absolutely. And so the other cool thing that's about your chart and you being a personal coach as well as somebody who has a podcast. So the podcast thing really speaks to this sun, Mercury, in your third house, (laughs) Gemini third house of media and communication. So we were talking about you being an Aries rising, which puts the cardinal cross in your four most important houses. So houses being the stage, you know, like the experience down here on earth, if that makes sense. Every single one of us has the same 12 signs, the same 12 houses, but what signs fall in what houses is where things differ. And so you have your cardinal cross in the four most important or most visceral houses, if you will. Cardinal, going back to the season analogy that all of Western astrology is based off of, Cardinal is like the beginning of the season, right? I was talking about how the fixed cross, Taurus, Leo, Scorpio, and Aquarius is that part of the season where we can trust the weather, where we know what to expect for a few weeks. Cardinal is the beginning. So think about Aries, the beginning of spring. Cancer is the beginning of summer. Libra is the beginning of fall. Capricorn is the beginning of winter. It's You being a Capricorn 10th house, which is your public image career, and I find her Maslow's hierarchy of needs, the self-actualization house in the modern era. You're very leadership-oriented. Capricorn season up here in the Northern Hemisphere where, you know, we base the Western concept from. That's when we're in the dead of winter, right? Or the very beginning of when we know we're going to then lead into Aquarius season where it's just going to be cold and dark for a couple of months, right? Capricorn is responsible for making sure people don't die. (laughs) Not to make this super dark, but 
Capricorn's like, all right, winter is coming. For anybody out there who was a Game of Thrones fan, Capricorn is Uncle Benji. It's like, listen, I've been to the other side of the wall. Those White Walkers are real rough. Like, you got to make sure you're ready. That's Capricorn. Capricorns are very funny. They have a very dark humor because they understand how real SHIT can get. And they want to make sure everybody's prepared. They want to make sure we're all being real with each other about each other's capabilities, about each other's weaknesses, right? It's like, we got to make sure we have enough wheat. We've got to make sure that we're going to have shelter, whatever. And so it's just really interesting that you're sort of a leader in coaching, right? That's what coaching is. Mm. Being a leader in a sense, it's being an ally, an advocate in a sense, because you know, you understand the autistic experience quite well. Another leadership sign, Libra, being your one-to-one house, your one-to-one relationship house, rather, where we already talked about you have the moon and Pluto. You might have had to be a little bit of a peacekeeper growing up. You have this sort of strong Aries individuation quality to you in the mask you were wearing, but you learned that to have harmonious relationships. You need to learn to bite your tongue every once in a while. You need to learn to keep the harmony, keep the flow, to have a good balance, to recognize the need in the other person, recognize that other people don't have the same experience. Does that track so far? Yes. I was just going to say, and I look at this as positive and maybe not so positive. I've been told many times throughout my life that I could have been like a diplomat. Yeah, because you're able to really rein it in when you need to, right? And that's, but also like, see what's right, see the writing on the wall and be able to kind of do that mental math of like, okay, what's really important right now? Because the group can get so lost in what's convenient or good or flashy. That Capricorn 10th house of yours is like, no, no, everybody, no, no. (laughs) Here's what's important, here's what matters. And then your Libra 7th house, your one-to-one relationships, you're like, but here's where I need to bite my tongue. Here's how I win people over to see what's important. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes sense. I, I see there's two houses where it doesn't look like there's anything relating to me. What what does that mean? So to, for your viewers, because they're or your listeners, rather, because they don't have a visual... He's referring to his Pisces 12th house and his Aquarius 11th house, or yours, I should say, as well as technically that Capricorn 10th house. There are no planets in those houses, okay? That actually doesn't matter. This is kind of a big misconception in astrology as well, so I'm glad you brought this up. Yes, where our planets fall in our chart, what houses, what signs they're living in is important. But what's more important is what planet rules that sign. So, for example, your Pisces 12th house. The 12th house is the stage, that sort of manifestation area of our lives, is our house of potentially mental illness, hidden blind spots, but ultimately transcendence, right? Which is kind of what working our way through bouts of mental illness does, right? Or uncovering blind spots, something we couldn't see about ourselves, about our lives. Once, you know, the curtain gets pulled back, it's like, whoa, hey, like, I'm not going to do that anymore. <laughs> do that to myself anymore. That, And we have the opportunity to transcend. So no, you don't have any planets in there, which is kind of good. It makes it a little more straightforward for you. But the power in it, the chef of that restaurant, if you will, of your Pisces 12th house restaurant is Jupiter. 
Now, Jupiter is in charge of this Pisces house. Let's look at where Jupiter is in your chart. You have Jupiter in Cancer in your fourth house at the bottom of the chart. Jupiter is extremely healthy in Cancer. This is really good. So you are somebody who has a pretty good handle on any potential mental illness, has a pretty good handle on any potential hidden blind spots, has been able to transcend a lot in your life because Jupiter being in charge of that house is in another sign where it's extremely comfortable, where it has what it needs, it's extremely lifted up, and they're in a harmonious aspect. They're in what's called a train. So it has a direct line of sight. It's like a satellite kitchen that it manages. It can pick up the phone and like really trust its sous chef and say, hey, like, you know, do you have the specials all set for today? Do you, do you have your front of house staff? Hopefully there are some people out there getting my restaurant analogies. That was my career before this. <laughs> <laughs> Does that make sense? The planets that rule the houses are more important uh, than the planets inside the houses. Definitely. And so that Jupiter in your Cancer fourth house is part of what makes you a great leader, a great coach as well. Jupiter is the greater benefic. If we think about the planet Jupiter in the sky, think about, you know, the fact that the sun needs Jupiter's gravity to keep the rest of the solar system intact, right? Jupiter is really, really important. In modern astrology, I find that people sort of stop at knowing it's the greater benefic and it's good luck and abundance and money's going to come in. We also need to pay attention to why that is and the lower expression, right? Jupiter is either really supporting us and helping us or it's making whatever it's looking at or affecting a lot bigger and a lot louder so that we need to look at it, so that we need to see it and fix it. And so the health of the planet, particularly Jupiter, is really, really important. That's why it's kind of wonderful for you that you have Jupiter in this sign where it's very healthy, very happy. It has access to what it needs. And I would bet it lends itself to a lot of empathy and emotional depth. And that sort of helped you not only craft this career, but, you know, overcome the obstacles you've needed to in your life. Is that fair to say? Mm -hmm. Sure. And when Jupiter's off, that sort of tells us that all the rest of the planets are off, right? Because Jupiter's gravity is so important at keeping all of the rest of the planets where they need to be between Jupiter and the sun, I should say. The planets between Jupiter and the Sun being Mercury, Venus, and Mars, those are the more really internal personal planets. We can think of the emotions that we experience like just ourselves, right? Love, anger, and our intellectual capacity versus the planets on the outside of Jupiter are more those sort of social emotions, right? When we get to Saturn, we feel embarrassment, we feel shame we're dealing with authority. It's Saturn also represents dad. It's really dad who teaches us about the boundary, about you know what behavior is acceptable and what behavior is not acceptable, what behavior in the home is not gonna track out there in society. Does that make sense so mm -hmm. far? Yeah. And so you can see that your parents, despite being human beings, flawed human beings, mistakes perhaps being made along the way, that they also did a really good job. You know, they taught you a lot about in this Libra house, about this one-to-one -one relationship, about understanding boundaries, where you and others begin, and really cultivating an atmosphere of respect. 
you were talking about when Jupiter is off, then like everything can kind of be off. Is it, I don't know if this is a silly question, but is this, is your chart a fixed chart or are there ways to make adjustments to like if Jupiter's off to kind of get that back on track? That's such a great question. So our chart is fixed in a sense, but this is a snapshot of exactly what the sky looked like the moment you were born. So this huh. is who you came into the world as, the karma you came in with, if you believe in that sort of thing. I personally don't really know where I fall in like the, how we define karma, but you know, we all know generational trauma is real, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> we all know we came into the world as infants without much cognitive capacity, without much of a say in the family that we came into and every family has stuff, right? Our birth chart is both, but kind of gives us a language to articulate exactly what that was, exactly who we stepped into the world as, sort of the meeting place between the environment we walked into and who we are inherently. And then the way I do astrology, and there are many different ways of using it out there, but I fall in the ancient Hellenistic theory that the original seven planets, the sun up through Saturn, they sort of act as judges on behalf of the gods. And so there absolutely is room to work with these planets, with these judges. We learn where they're struggling in our charts. Like I was saying, you've got Mercury, chef at home in its own kitchen. You've got Jupiter. Uh, Jupiter's kind of like a rock star in a bougie hotel (laughs) in Cancer. It is maybe a little too comfortable and it needs to really check itself and say okay am i going to have a nice self-care night and enjoy these like this complimentary chocolates and get in my flush bathrobe or am i going to get hammered and trash the place right like jupiter could easily go either way in cancer just because of its personal relationship with the archetype of cancer mm-hmm. and so every single planet has its own specific relationship with a sign And in learning about our own personal chart, we understand, you know, through the language of astrology, what judges are in courtrooms they're not happy in. Like, does it look like that judge woke up on the wrong side of the bed today? Great. How can I educate myself on what that planet means and how to get it healthier? Does that make sense? Yeah. I'm looking at this chart and it's making me think about something that I've struggled you know, my whole life and particularly in adulthood in that just finding balance because I'll have these interests that I'm really focused on and I'm seeing and I'm wondering if I'm seeing that in this chart where it looks like from the house from houses from about four to ten, it seems to be a lot heavier with information versus houses on the other side. Is that... Am I reading this correctly or what what are what is that showing? You it's showing that this is where there's a little more balance is such a great word for it. It's showing where there's a little more character to these houses. And interestingly, the chart can be broken up into quadrants. And what you're noticing is mm-hmm. you have a heavy concentration in the quadrant that we're really coming out from that sort of generational trauma idea or karma idea, that sort of family stream that was already going strong that we stepped into. 
and where that then can collide or can uh, clash with you then, you know, needing to step out into a society at some point in time and individuate and figure out, you know, where you end and others begin. Like that is a heavy concentration in your lifetime of, you know, your personal evolution. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I think it's good to talk about, you know, what we, when we met before this, how we were determining your rising sign. (laughs) (laughs) So you run marathons and Mm -hmm. your sixth house of your physical body, health, wellness, you know, where illnesses can potentially show up, but also, you know, this sort of like daily drudgery, get ish done house. We talked about how you have Mars there. So Mars, for my money, being neurospicy, I think for all of us in the neurospicy community, Mars might be one of the planets to focus on, one of the trickiest planets. Because in my experience, it seems to indicate our sympathetic nervous system, how we can manage it, how we can correct any sort of triggery stuff. Any stuff that's sort of lodged in our nervous system from childhood that we might not be aware of that's playing out in real time, you know, our sort of inner child acting out in uncomfortable ways that we regret later. You having Mars in your Virgo sixth house is kind of amazing. I was mentioning that Mars has a special affinity in the sixth house, you know, where normally this is one of the bad houses for the Hellenistic tradition. Mars is actually extremely comfortable and does extremely well in this house. So Mars has given you a ton of energy to run marathons. And I would bet that running has really helped you channel a lot of otherwise negative energy into, you know, in a constructive way, right? Because energy lives in every single one of us. And if we aren't getting it out of us in a constructive way, that's when it comes out of us sideways in unhealthy ways, right? Mm-hmm. You mentioned when you're not running, you notice it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I definitely feel like, and so, and, I, and many times I just forget about it. Like when I go through periods where I'm not running as much and I feel off balance, like quite frankly, I've felt off balance since the holidays. And one thing I haven't been doing that much is running. So I might need to get back to that. Uh, maybe I need to somehow figure out a way to go for a run today. But uh, yeah, so I, a lot of times when I definitely feel even more off balance than usual, I tend to not running or maybe getting that sensory input that I really need. I need lots and lots of movement. Yeah. Well, and that speaks to Mercury, you know, being conjunct your sun, right? Like Hmm. part of your moral drive, your ego. And Mercury also rules your Virgo house, which is your sixth house. Mercury being conjunct your sun, like that's where I would bet your wife notices when you're not running. (laughs) 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 That's where like your ego might get a little boosted and carried away and you know, stuff might get a little tense, you know, where it otherwise wouldn't be or need to be. Mm-hmm. Not to put myself in your marriage. I'm sure she would have lots of opinions about that. Yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> She'd probably be like, yeah, t- say more, say more. <laughs> <laughs> you were talking about this being a snapshot of like kind of when the day I was born. And I still feel like in my 40s, I still have so much to learn. But I was wondering, 
what did what does this snapshot say to me when I came into this physical um, universe about what I needed, what was important for me to learn in my time here, however long that's going to be? Oof, that is such a great question. First and foremost, and so, you know, interesting that autism is sort of what has us both here, mm-hmm. learning to communicate your true self, like first and foremost, numero uno, that is part of your mission here. <laughs> that speaks to our son, every single one of us, those of you listening, you all know when your birthdays are, right? That's the one thing in astrology that people do tend to know is like, okay, my son, I was born on June 16th. I am a Gemini. My son is in Gemini. So our son is our moral compass, our ego for better or for worse, you know, really our drive in this life. And so you have your son in Gemini, Gemini being the twins needing to learn, explore, go, you know, do the wrong thing to learn what the right thing is. And Mercury being there as well, that means it's super loud, super important. Mercury being conjunct your son, that's a blending of those two flavors. So you being able to articulate your soul, you being able to articulate your purpose, like numero uno for you. Does that track so far? Yeah, absolutely. I've been really focused on the last year or so, better advocating for my uh, wants and needs. So that, that, that really hits it um, on the head for sure. So the second most important planet isn't quite the right way to articulate it, but I would say particularly important for those of us who are neurodivergent, the moon is a super area of focus. Why? Because our moon signifies our subconscious. So the stuff that we can't quite access right away that we really need to sit and feel and experience and process to quite be able to look at what it is. It also signifies our mother in our charts. It also signifies our sensitivity, our sensitivity to others' emotions, our sensitivity to our environment. So I would bet you learning to articulate your needs shows up big time in your one-to-one relationships. Mm-hmm. And you know, your moon being somewhat conjunct Pluto here, Pluto for me is the trickiest planet. It's sort of our evolutionary edge. It's like once we figure out what Pluto's trying to scream at us in our chart, we are at a massive advantage. We've got a major blind spot uncovered. And so, yeah, like it's almost like you being a Libra seventh house is wonderful, right? Because you understand the need for peace and balance and understanding where the other person is coming from in your one-to-one relationships. But you might be so focused on that that you sacrifice speaking up for yourself at times. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely you've sacrificed that, I would say, way too often. Yeah. And so going back to the health of the planets and Jupiter in particular, the moon rules cancer where your Jupiter is. And so you being able to speak up for your emotional needs and advocate for yourself in your one-to-one relationships determines the health of that Jupiter, just so you know. Hmm. Determines, uh, and Jupiter kind of speaks to the health of all the planets in between Jupiter and the sun. So yeah, you being able to articulate your very personal experience 
giving yourself time to process that and making sure that you understand it so well, you know what not to compromise in mono e mono settings, super, super important for you and really your overall health. Is there anything we haven't discussed yet about my chart that uh, you thought it would be important to or just in general people's perceptions about these astrological charts? Oh gosh, Doug, uh, our chart sort of like astrology is such a wonderful practice because we never stop learning about our charts. Like even me who looks at this stuff every single day, uh, my chart is constantly revealing more information to me. It's a astrology is evolving just like we human beings are right. Because it needs to, in order to articulate our, our experience back to us, it needs to continue to change and morph the exact same way we do as human beings, the exact same way, you know, the globe is right. Really, at the end of the day, it's a language. It's a means of communicating with whatever higher power you believe in or whatever divine intelligence you believe is behind all of this. And it really just gives us a roadmap to our own personal pattern to, again, the snapshot of what we came in to this lifetime with needing to sort of unravel and understand better as well as you know how to get to the highest expression of ourselves how to make sure we're getting our needs met so that you know us not getting our needs met doesn't come out in ways we wouldn't like at others does that make sense hmm. and so it's a wonderful personal practice it's a wonderful hobby to pick up and for me the most important thing with astrology or the way that it really started to change my life was we who are on the autism spectrum who are neurospicy it's a confusing existence right like especially if you learn later in life you're walking around not being able to see part of the hand you were dealt astrology does a wonderful job of filling in that gap especially for your listeners who came from a home where there was a lot of trauma or maybe there was a parent missing, you know, our parents are our first mirrors reflecting back to us who we are and helping us learn to know who we are on the inside so we're not dependent on the world telling us back, right? Can't trust what the world tells us back, especially not in this capitalist era. So it's an incredibly empowering practice. And again, at the end of the day, it's really just a language. It's really just a means of communicating, which can be very healing and very validating. So it can also be very intimidating when people first start to learn about it. You know, the reason that it's sort of the gold standard of conspiracy theory, as uh, Richard Tarnas says, who anybody who wants to like say, is this astrology stuff real? One of his books, Cosmos and Psyche, is a great book to check out. It's become the gold standard of conspiracy theory because it got shoved underground for a long time in this sort of age of reason that we're in. But, you know, it's really just a set of data at the end of the day and a language, a, a code, a pattern, if you will. And, you know, we're autistic, right? We love pattern recognition. <laughs> If you're curious, you know, there's tons of free options to just kind of dip a toe in and get started. Like astroseek.com is a great one. You can just plug in your birth data and pull up your chart and read, you know, the interpretations there online. 
know that those are algorithm based so they're not going to resonate 100% completely not like booking a reading with a professional astrologer would but you only stand to benefit from indulging in this and saying all right you know what was the snapshot in the sky the moment I was born and you know it just progresses from there it gets a little bit addictive to be perfectly honest so Colleen, how can people kind of connect with you beyond this interview, maybe book a reading with you and just kind of learn from you on, uh, I see a lot of your videos on social media. Yeah, um, thank you for asking. So I am on YouTube, on Instagram and on TikTok. It's a neurodivergent astrologer on Instagram and YouTube. My website is www.aneurodivergentastrologer.com. I do daily energy updates Monday through Friday, and then I also do larger, longer videos on YouTube. There are a few great introductory videos up on YouTube as well, so you can check me out in any or all of those places. And then to my website, you can also book a personal reading with me, which we'll meet over video. You'll have a visual of your chart. Yeah, we can get into your birth chart. We can look at current transits. You and I didn't even really talk about that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> How the astrology that's playing out uh, in real time affects our personal astrology. But yeah, there's just lots to talk about. And it's my favorite thing to do. So yeah, I'd be thrilled to work with any, all of you. So, Well, thanks so much for joining me, Colleen. Normally, I'm the one asking all the questions, but uh, this was a lot of fun. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for having me and, you know, for your interest in astrology, right? For helping us sort of get it out of the shadows as a way to, you know, sort of change the public view of it as an incredibly helpful and beneficial tool. Thanks so much to Colleen for the conversation. To learn more about Colleen, please check out the link in the podcast description of this episode. Did you know that Autism Personal Coach provides neurodiversity-affirming support by autistics for autistics through our customized coaching? If this is something that you're interested in learning more about, please visit AutismPersonalCoach.com for more information. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Autism Stories, and if you did, if you could tell a friend, foe, or anyone you know about it so they could have the same enjoyable and educational experience as you when listening to Autism Stories, it'd be very much appreciated. Until next time, I'm Doug Bletcher of Autism Personal Coach. Talk to you then.